everyone, and welcome. This is episode 252 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Network. I am James, joined again by Paul and Ryan, as we just watched Corbin Burns give up another home run to O'Neill Cruz. Uh, that guy kills the Brewers. I already can't stand him. but uh, And he only seems to hit home runs against the Brewers. He hits like 200 against everybody else, but that's really annoying. Uh, the Brewers are really annoying. We'll talk about that. But <laughs> guys, how are you doing first, Paul? Uh, I'm I'm good. Um, it's uh it's been fun around here. Um, you know, just school's back. My kids are away more. That's great. Um, and uh, football starting soon, so I'm happy about that. It's it's the weird. I always forget that there's no football this week. Um, I I always feel like preseason should end and then the regular season should just start, but they take a week to cut people and sign people and let people screw up and all that jazz. So next week, but it's fine. It's soon. Right. How about you? How you doing? I'm just. Living the dream every day. It's just, <laughs> oh, my God. Back in school for you, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the Brewers are trying to murder me. They're really, really trying hard. So this is uh, this is just incredibly annoying. At least Liverpool won 9 nothing. though. We should probably save that for later because there is a question about that. You do they won 9 nothing. They did. They uh, they, they set, they they set like a record. A little league team or something? Or? No, it was, a, it was a Premier League team, though. It's it's not a great. They were. It's one of the just promoted teams, and oh. they were uh, they were very salty after their start to the season and were uh, ready to come out firing. And they they put two in in the first like three minutes and could have been up like four nil in like the first like five minutes. So it was basically just a beat down from the get go. Okay. Yeah, it could have been much worse too. Uh, I guess speaking of salty, brewers are making all of us salty. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, a reminder, if you want to help support us and the uh, podcast network, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash tailgate for as little as two bucks a month. That gets you question priority on all the podcasts on the network. Woo. This one, as well as reporting as eligible, as Paul mentioned, uh, Packer season starting up. I know you guys had your first uh podcast of the the preseason the other week uh but uh you know plenty to talk about as we head into week one vikings week uh paul defense is gonna be awesome right i think so yeah um they should be until they start to suffer injuries then it becomes uh, a weird battle of attrition they're good at defensive line they can take injuries there um they're i think actually okay in the secondary they can at least take one injury there uh, like they played all of last year with just two of the three big three so not a problem there safety there's nothing there that's bad if any safeties <laughs> get hurt especially if adrian amos he is the most important player on like the defense for sure probably the second most important player on the team depending on how you feel about jordan love and then edge rusher um also if Rashawn gary got hurt that would be bad so uh, but if they're all healthy they're dynamite they should they should dominate the heck out of people. Yeah, definitely looking ahead to the the season. Uh, I know we're doing this a date later because Ryan and I had fantasy drafts. Uh, <laughs> on that, um, I don't hate my team. So did I don't you know take what AJ do Dillon in the first round like you were thinking of? I didn't take him in the first round. No, <laughs> I I sent these guys a message in the, in the in our group chat. Um, for those of you listening, I am very high on AJ Dillon this year. I think it's going to be a big breakout year for him. Uh, I, I did not take him in the first round. I, I had picked 14 in a 14-team draft. So uh, I, I was able to snag him, though, at the end of round four or something that's, like that's that. That's better. So, that's more where AJ Yeah. Was. No, yeah. And he was definitely going to go in that in that round. If I, I, I might have reached 
based on uh, our points projection system by three or four picks, but you know, not as much as the Packers reached when they actually drafted him. So, <laughs> Good work. Uh, nicely done. Yeah, but no, I, I, I am content with my team. So that means everyone's going to get hurt. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And nobody cares about my fantasy team, so I'll stop talking. Uh, reminder, patreon.com slash tailgate Five bucks a month, you get extra content. You get Paul's mini pods as the season starts back up on the Packers side, as well as the uh, minor league extra, I should say, with Ryan and James Anderson from Rotowire. And Ryan, what do you got cooking? Yeah, we are going to be recording this week on Thursday. So we're going to be uh, getting the August episode in a day late, but... That'll be up, and you'll be able to hear that. We're going to be doing our top 10s. So updated Brewers top 10s, and holy hell has there been a lot that has happened to uh, to shake those up since the last time we did it. James was actually ready to... Well, yeah, the trades and just the emergence of Churio and some other guys, like, there's a lot to talk about there, and uh, James was actually ready to do it last time, was all set to go, and we just had too much. Like, there was too much content to go through, so we just hmm. said, eh, we'll push it off, and we'll do it next month, so... Uh, yeah, we are uh, we're all set to do that. I haven't even finished my list yet. I just started playing with names, and it's like, hmm, this is way, way, way better than it has been in at least two or three years of me doing this. So I feel much, much more confident, and that's reflected in the fact I think Baseball America just had them 13th, and I think Pipeline had them like 17th, 18th, somewhere in there. So yeah, they're now in that middle third instead of the bottom third, which is always nice right. to see. That is nice. Yeah. Also nice to see uh, Jackson Churio at AmFam Field on Monday night. Uh, the T-Rats had a, a day off, so they brought him in to kind of take batting practice on the field and all that stuff. And uh, who knows? Maybe he'll be there for real this time next year, the way, Ryan, you've been talking. But uh, definitely worth looking out for that minor league extra as well. All right, on the big league side, the Brewers managed to, I guess, tread water at least for the second straight week of playing the Dodgers and the Cubs. I got sick of seeing those two teams. I don't know about you guys, uh, but this time they lost two out of the three to the Dodgers in L.A. before taking two out of three from the Cubs. I guess the Brewers can at least take solace in the fact that they've accounted for, I guess, like literally one third of the Dodgers losses in the last 50 games mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> they're true, like 41 true. and nine in the last 50 or something crazy like that. Uh, so there's at least that. Uh, but things still looking kind of bleak on the playoff fronts. So much so that I think in a rage Friday, I tweeted that the Brewers were done. Uh, that was in the midst of them blowing another game to the Cubs. Uh, they managed to turn things around and won two straight, but uh, Monday night now, as we do this against the Pirates, another frustrating game against a crappy team. So <laughs> I think we're all kind of frustrated, uh, at least to plenty of questions from a lot of people. And we've got a lot of questions to get to this week, so we're just going to dive in. Let's just start with James Vandenberg's question on Patreon asking, uh, starting Monday, the crew will have 15 straight games against non-playoff teams. I guess it was 18 straight, if you want to count the Cubs series, too. What record do you do you need to see in that stretch to have hope for the Brewers in the playoffs? <laughs> uh, Paul, let's start with you. And why does the number have to start with a one? <laughs> it needs to start with a one. I, need, I want 10 and five um, or or better. So that and it's they have ground to make up. And it, it's not like they can rest on their laurels after the 15 games that they have against non-playoff teams. They still need to play some good teams later on. And it's not like any of these are going to go away. Like eventually San Diego will, will stop trying to close games with Josh and, and actually like 
start hitting a little bit. Um, I, I don't think they're going to catch the Cardinals, but if they want to, the Cardinals are, of course, destroying, I believe, the Cubs right now. Um, you know, they're not probably going to catch them, but if they want to have a chance to make it interesting, they've got to rip off a big old win streak here sometime soon. Um, uh, and I don't want them fighting till the last day. Get get back in it. Do what you're. Sp- also, they suck against good teams. Like they really need to build up a lot here in this stretch because they don't play that well against playoff teams. It's bad for the playoffs, but it's just true so far. So yeah, it's got to have a one. It absolutely does. If they don't do anything here, they will be in major major trouble. Yeah, like twelve to feel really good. <laughs> like if they're if you get yeah. twelve wins out of this, you're feeling like okay, we're on a we're on a streak now. Yeah, Things that's are great cooking. if you get twelve. Absolutely. Yeah, like that's to feel really really good. If you're in that nine to eleven range, I think you're feeling like okay, this is this is headed in a positive direction. They they're keeping themselves in this thing and. things can be potentially interesting down the stretch if they really play well below that you start to talk about like you know this is probably not going to happen math's not on their side at that point yeah it's going to be real hard if you don't at least come out of that stretch with you know a winning record yeah it's tough but i think i actually looked this up uh, a few days ago, the Brewers do have a stretch of winning like 12 out of 15. It happened earlier this year. It was that mid-April to early May stretch where they kind of got off to gangbusters start. But that seems like a long time ago now. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of amazing that they've done that, uh, even though their longest win streak all year is only about five games. Well, to take it back even further than that, you can even look back at like, 2018 and 2019 they had multiple stretches like both of those years they had 12 or 12 out of 15 or better runs in both of those years so they had huge huge runs in september in both 18 and 19 that's why that's called craig temper yes and and they're gonna need a craig temper coming up here but um i guess speaking of craig temper or september uh we hit that milestone on the the baseball calendar this week and of course with that comes september call-ups but uh we saw a call-up a little bit early ahead of september the next wave of brewers prospects kind of started to come into milwaukee this past weekend we saw garrett mitchell get the call he's the first of the much lauded triple a center uh, outfielders to to get the call to the majors somewhat surprisingly i think i might say he got into that saturday game as a defensive replacement to make his debut then on sunday got his first start of course knocking in a pair of runs on a Good, clean contact single up the middle, took second base on an air. Very exciting. Stole his first base Monday night. Uh, kind of a player that I think a lot of people are are kind of uh, excited to see. And based on that call up, we have two similar questions here that we're going to um, knock out kind of in tandem here. So first, Mark Podscarby asking, how surprised are you that Mitchell was the one to get the call to the big leagues over Sal Freilich, who we talked a ton about? Story Ruiz and Joey Weimer and Adam Post asking why do you think Mitchell was called up instead of either Ruiz or Freilich? So, Ryan, let's start with you. Um, A, were you surprised that Mitchell was the first one out of that group, and why might the Brewers have done that? Yeah, so I was definitely surprised. I think my comment to you guys in the group chat, and then I just took it to open Twitter right away too, was you have to admire their commitment to the bit. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
like, doing the opposite of everything. Right. Yeah. Wants. Always confounding yeah. expectations, and you know, more often than not, being right about their their confounding of expectations. Like they don't have a perfect record on that front, but they, it's a lot better than I think people sometimes like to admit. Uh, and yeah, I, I just, of all the people and James, when you corrected yourself just a second ago and you said of the three triple a center fielders, and you said outfielders, no, you were right. The first time those three are all legitimate defensive center fielders, like legit to potentially plus plus center fielders. Um, mostly because of speed and also just, you know, they're pretty decent at it. I'm not sure Ruiz is still kind of a new to the outfield, but Mitchell is one of the fastest players immediately in MLB, and uh, that helps him in the outfield where he's also just kind of good in general. So, uh, yeah, I think that it is definitely a surprise. I Mitchell had been doing better. Like, I, he had fallen below my notice. Everybody was talking about Freilich, right? Yeah. Freilich had been the, the guy who had been concentrated on because he'd been on such a hot streak. But he's also, you know, a year behind in the pecking order. And I think that they looked at it and said that they liked the idea that Mitchell could potentially come up and really play like super plus uh, defense in center field. And that that would be very useful to them, especially since he was taking Jonathan Davis's place on the roster. So there may have also been some service time consideration in here. Maybe I, I don't think you could call it manipulation, but. Maybe they thought of him as the lesser of the guys that they potentially wanted to not, you know, spend that that service time on. I don't know. I'm not sure. Seems definitely possible. Um, Well, and especially because you think that Mitchell probably is not up for good at this point. I think he's probably going back down at some point. Like he's going to do more time in the minors. I, I would be shocked if he never, you know. If the, he just sticks now, that would be surprising to me, given what we know about his profile in general and what he's done to date as a pro. It's been very up and down. There have been long stretches where James Anderson and I both have been like, I just don't know like what there even is here to to hold on to at times because yeah. uh, the strikeout numbers could be really, really high, like really high. And he just wasn't impacting the ball very much. And that combination is pretty tough to deal with. Like you can deal with a guy who, uh, who hits for a lot of power and strikes out a lot or um, doesn't hit for much power, but doesn't strike out much, but it's hard to have both. Hard to split that. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult. So, Two, two bits of breaking news. Well, we have a second uh, Rowdy Telez left the game with knee discomfort, which is not good for Rowdy Telez since he is a giant man. <laughs> um, and also a fun stat from Cespedes Family Barbecue. Um, three of the nine hardest hit balls Corbin Burns has ever allowed in the big leagues have come tonight via O'Neill Cruz. Oh, a 113.8 mile per hour line out in the first, 113.2 ground out in the third, and that homer at 117.5 miles per hour. Um, so he, uh, he's he got Corbin's number tonight, or had Corbin's number tonight, <laughs> I suppose. Mm, do not throw him strikes no don't just put that guy on now He's is the season of it. our discontent mm-hmm. yeah yeah anyway uh, paul i guess h- how much of mitchell have you seen or how 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 do you like him so far uh, oh so i i actually agree with ryan i've seen him more than usual because you know he was kind of the hot prospect for a little while and mm-hmm. while i don't pay attention to most prospects when they're like the guy for an extended period i actually go and watch him so i've seen garrett mitchell kind of a lot and um I think it was not choice. I was surprised he was called up as well. 
for all the reasons Ryan mentioned. He has contact problems and isn't a big power guy. But he can play defense and he can steal bases. He does have a, a you know 70, 80 speed, and that is useful in, in a role playing type of type of way. So that makes mm-hmm. some sense. And I totally I do think there's service time considerations in here for that very reason. Like he's I think not one of your blue chippers, and you can you can spend you can use him on the the shuttle back and forth a little bit more freely than some of the other guys who you're gonna have as your true future. So uh, with that, I'm not that high on him. Um, I do feel like he was like joey weimer before he was cool you know um and then <laughs> fell off a little bit and now joey weimer's not really cool anymore either so he's been better lately he had a very yes, good weekend a series where he hit three home runs uh <laughs> i don't know if that was last weekend or two weeks i think it was two weekends ago but whatever uh the thing that was most surprising about it was just the fact that estuary ruiz was already on the 40 man yeah that was that was weird yeah i had like my I thought it would be Freilich, and then I was like, maybe they'll surprise with Ruiz for that reason, <laughs> and then it was Mitchell. That was weird. And the reason that that's important is because in the offseason, you're going to have to now carry Mitchell on the 40-man, obviously. like Once the guy's on the 40-man, you have to carry them on there or expose them to waivers. So it does limit your uh, your flexibility in the offseason, and the Brewers love to use all 40 of their their roster spots in the winter to kind of collect talent and they kind of shuffle guys in and out and sort of look to to make the strongest possible f- group of 40 players. Uh, and so the idea that they would just sort of willingly now commit to two of those young guys is it's noteworthy. It is definitely yeah. worth paying attention to. I guess with an eye on the 40-man roster, let's take a look at our next uh, Patreon question. comes from your friend Jay Google asking, uh, speaking of September call-ups, who do you think gets the September call-up? A reminder, only two additional players can get called up. I know David Stearns commented over the weekend, uh, this is a year where they definitely wish they had all 40 spots because they got plenty of guys that they would love to have up in the majors for September but uh, only two guys, and Jay's asking probably one hitter and one pitcher, right? Uh, so, Ryan, I guess, is Mitchell sticking in September? Or do you think he goes down in favor of another bat? Or what are your thoughts on September? Yeah, I mean, for right now, he's going to stick because I think he's gotten off to you know a pretty reasonable start. He's looked good in his, his at-bats. He's looked competitive. So I don't think that that's like an immediate issue. And obviously, the other skills just play. Uh, so I, I think he's probably staying up. As far as who they might call up, I, I think Ruiz, uh, Kurt Hogue, friend of the podcast, former uh, guest host, had a picture of Estuary Ruiz's name on the ribbon board sure at did. the uh, park tonight. So maybe that's presaging some moves coming down the pike. Uh, and that would that would make perfect sense as well. It does need to be one hitter and one pitcher because I believe, uh, just like in the regular season where you're expected to maintain a 13-13 balance, you are expected to maintain a 14-14 balance in September. So I believe we will be seeing uh, a hitter and a pitcher looking at what uh, what the situation is as far as who might get called up. I think it's probably somebody who's currently on the IL. I'm trying to see like what Jake Cousins and right. Justin Topa and yeah, like those guys have I mean, been up to shuttle like, that spot too, probably right. Sure, like, and well, they're going to keep shuttling spots like they always do anyway, and this just adds like maybe it firms up somebody else's position a little bit. But like Trevor Gott's on the IL, and he's 
mm-hmm. I think he's going to come back. What's his situation? No idea. Well, it's, <laughs> no idea. It ain't Trevor but Rosenthal. Like, we know that. So <laughs> We do have a question about that. But, I mean, yeah. So, like, with rosters expanding, too, like, guys like Sturz Lecky have kind of somehow molded a, a mid to late inning role are probably safe, too. And it's mm-hmm. like these these other guys who are kind of shuttling through, to your point. Uh, Paul, I guess, who do you hope to see in September? Do you want to see another one of the prospects up or just somebody who can hit a ball? I, yeah, I don't really care as long as they can hit. Uh, I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing Freilich just because I think he might be able to contribute a little bit more offensively than, um, well, than Mitchell for sure. But um, I'd like to take a look at that. And uh, I, I mean, I know they'll do a pitcher. I just don't know what that's going to look like at this point. It, it would be nice if one of the IR guys or IL guys could could come back because I know that they can at least contribute. Uh, as long as Cousins a little worried about that injury, but um, I, I just a bat would be good. Any bat, uh, Mitchell's fun, but I, they need somebody who can do something with the bats. And uh, just I, I I'm ticked off about the lack of forty people on the. Uh, you know, at the bigs at this point. I know it's not fair. I know it was a stupid rule, um, but I, I did enjoy it, and I'm sad it's gone. I want yes, everybody always, who can hit. It's Doug Melvin's fault that it's this way because he complained for 30 years about yes. it until it was finally changed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, too, it, it kind of just from a PR standpoint, it it's mildly important for them to get an exciting guy up too, right? Because there's kind of a lack of excitement. Which they clearly care about at this point. Yeah, there's there's a lack of excitement among fans uh, on, on who's on the roster, and we're going to talk more about that. And uh, the piece JR actually had in the Journal of Sentinel uh, this past week kind of highlighting that uh, kind <laughs> of plain and center. Uh, but I do think that's mildly important too. So someone like Freilich uh, would definitely... Uh, kind of go far in, in in that regard too. We're we're not quite to the point of calling up Orlando Arcia before he's ready just because here's the shiny new object after we trade everyone away. But um, <laughs> you know it, it it is kind of uh, something to consider as well. Just a quick update on the game. I think Pat Murphy might be on the verge of murdering an umpire. <laughs> well, uh, do you know who's umpir- umpiring tonight? Because I've, I I. I usually stream the game, but I can't right now. My internet is failing me. So I have Gamecast on, and uh, this umpire is awful. Like, <laughs> Well, I think he was mad at one of the base umpires. I think it may have been the first base umpire because they've been showing. I don't have the audio on, obviously, and they've been showing flipping back and forth between Murphy and uh, the base umpire. So that was kind of weird. I was like, That's well. That's weird. Okay. Yeah. So I think it was maybe a, a swing decision. Well, maybe so. Yeah, I think it was that. I will so. say just Pat Murphy's general uh, everyday face looks like he's going to murder you. Just It's just the way his, his face hangs. Resting there. killer uh, face? Yeah. Yes, resting killer face. And, and they just grounded out. <laughs> he just heard all of us get dejected as mm. Maria is grounded out to O'Neill Cruz. Of course. Because of course. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, Ryan, you kind of mentioned this uh in passing before and it's something that we've kind of talked about in in previous weeks too but there's new rules when it comes to uh you know rookie of the year eligibility and and guys getting paid and and draft picks and all that stuff so brew crew fan in california is asking 
can you please explain the rookie of the year prizes for teams just so we get it out there and, and everybody's on the same page ryan uh what were you able to dig up yeah so i have the usa today article this isn't completely up to date and it talks about the fact that uh you could have like international picks given and there isn't going to be an international draft in the cba so it's going to be something else it's going to be um signing money extra extra signing money that you're going to be given for the international market um but this is what they had to say at the time of the CBA about this. So a team is eligible for prospect promotion incentive, PPI draft picks. If a rookie eligible player with 60 days or fewer, and it's actually 45 days, uh, with 45 days or fewer of major league service time, who is included on a preseason top 100 list by either Baseball America, ESPN, or MLB.com, is promoted and finishes high in award voting in any year before he is eligible for arbitration. The team would get an amateur pick for the rookie of the year or a top three MVP or Cy Young finish. And again, this is not just the rookie year. It's also any year before arbitration starts. Okay. Um, and an international selection if they finish second or third in rookie of the year or fourth or fifth in Cy Young. So, You'd get you'd get extra bonus money basically to be able to give out to players in that event instead. Um, a team can gain at most one PPI pick in the amateur draft and three total PPI picks for any individual prospect in his career. So it's kind of limited in that way. But basically, if a guy is wins rookie of the year or finishes top three, you get something for it. If a guy is able to finish high in the MVP, would be top five in the MVP or Cy Young, you get something for that too. So it would either be in the form of a pick or you're getting it in the form of international uh, bonus money. So definitely an incentive to, um, you know, start the year with those guys. That's why we saw, you know, the year start Mm -hmm. with the Julio Rodriguez's and the Bobby Witts and and all those um, on the big league roster. And also why, you know, you and others kind of speculated once we got to that 45 days left in the season point, right, Ryan? Mm -hmm. And this was one of those things where in the offseason, when this came out, people thought this wouldn't have much of an effect. And then we saw instantly this year, Bobby Witt and Julio Rodriguez and a bunch of other guys were on big league rosters to start the season. And so... People kind of went, oh, maybe this is actually something that teams are going to chase a little bit and are going to to look out. So basically, the reason that teams are avoiding bringing guys up before August 23rd, which is why you saw guys starting to come up after that um, and will more in the in the coming days is because they don't want to lose that rookie of the year eligibility because the player has to be rookie of the year eligible to qualify for this. Yeah. Okay. so. Basically, a guy can't run through either that 45 days on the roster or it's 130 uh, at-bats or 50 innings. So that that's how you lose rookie eligibility. Yep. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on, too, uh, next year, especially considering the, the Brewers' bevy of prospects. Um, our next Patreon question this week comes from Justin Sayan, who is asking... Which is the better lineup in 2024 if all the players had to stay where they are? The current Brewers starting lineup or the current national sounds, including Mitchell? Uh, oh, and Corbin just gave up another home run to uh, cell phone Rodolfo Castro. Ugh. 
Um, All right. Well, on that lovely note, Paul, big fan of the current starting lineup as you are. (laughs) Would you rather have this group uh, in 2024 or uh, the current Nashville Sounds? You know why the answer is the Brewers? Um, It's because the Sounds don't have Churio. Yeah. (laughs) So that makes a big difference. Uh, Otherwise, maybe. Possibly, uh, but no, it is the Brewers. As maddening as they are, they, the sound the, the sounds are fine. They have a lot of decent prospects, but just decent prospects. And, mm-hmm. um, that's as far I as mean, we should go here. There's not a bunch of like yeah. a bunch of Ryan Braun sitting down there waiting to come up. That's just not how they're composed. And Keston here extent, is a god in Nashville too. Is, like yeah. when he's there, so yeah. Like Bryce Terang's fine, but like he's just fine. Joey Weimer, fine, also. Um, you know, if they had like four Cheerios on the, the sounds, I'd go with them. But they had they have zero, and so it's the Brewers. Yeah, I mean, you have to go back and remember when the Brewers were running that great group that they had put together with Jack Z and Doug Melvin in yeah two thousand five two thousand six. When that group was coming up, you were looking at piles of guys who were like top twenty five prospects. J.J. Hardy, uh, Ricky well, Weeks. It the they were 2008 all... Huntsville Stars, the greatest minor league team of all time that I can remember. Yeah. And this is more, I think, akin to that. I think this is better than that group because really all that came out of that group was Jonathan Lucroy um, that really ended up sticking and being like an impact player. But yeah, this is this is definitely one of those situations where you have to understand that like these are these are interesting prospects they are these are guys who could potentially make an impact at the big leagues but you already have a bunch of guys making impacts at the big leagues on the the milwaukee roster so uh but yeah i mean this this definitely isn't a uh a a conversation because churio is not in triple a so that that changes the uh the the calculus there as well but even with churio that you would not take like that the the entire brewer farm system over this group, you, you wouldn't do that. No. It's fun, right. but no. Yeah, yeah. Fun question to think about for sure. All right. Next Patreon question comes from Devin Bearwolf, and uh, it's less fun to think about, but uh, <laughs> here we go. Uh, so here's Devin's question. He's saying, I know I'm in the minority, but I think the Brewers have peaked with this team and need to go in a new direction. Part of me wants the Brewers to go the route of giving the young outfielders and Bryce Tarang a full-time role and not waste money on veterans like Hunter Renfro, Colton Wong, and whoever they got in center field at the time. Do you think the Brewers would or should go that route? Or if they should keep signing mid-level veterans to deals to play out the last couple of years of Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff? Uh, so whew, kind of a downer to think about, but... Paul, I guess, how would you tackle the the remaining years of Burns and Woodruff, uh, so, assuming it's a couple years here? Yeah, assuming it's a couple, I mean, they should just buy a bat, like just go spend some money. Like the Cardinals have Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, like go do that. You can do that. Um, I, I was on the side um, earlier this week in in one of my Twitter DMs that people are familiar with, working on what I like to call billionaire math, which is basically just calculating how much on your uh, rate of return um, for having a billion dollars. By the way, Mark Atanasio, of course, does not have a billion dollars. He is about $700 million, but round for this exercise. Um, how much of your um, expected annual return on your $700 million to a billion dollars in assets do you need to spend to buy a few extra bats a year? 
And uh, if you are getting 5% return, which is pretty light, maybe maybe we're heading into a recession, maybe not, but that's $50 million of just money that you earn doing nothing on your assets that you have um, that you can put into your baseball team and still be as good off as you were before. Um, just do that. Um, you can do that without taking a big hurt, um, and they should. So, uh, no, they shouldn't sell off and, and go tank and get a bunch of draft picks. Baseball doesn't really even work that way that well most of the time. They have good people. In, they have good pitchers. They have a lot of talent. They really just need a couple of offensive pieces to push them over the edge like St. Louis did, and uh, that's what they should do. Uh, no need to give up on this yet. That would be silly, unless they want to be cheap bastards, and that's a different different question. Yeah, and I don't see that coming. That's not really how they've done things ever under Atanasio, other than the rebuild, which was really a case of they they just did not have the talent to compete at that point. And so they they tore it apart and traded away guys, and they ended up getting quite a bit back in return and ended up making that the core of their next competitive team. So that worked out perfectly well for them, and they didn't even have to go through the long-term doldrums. But I agree with you here, and I think that to be even more specific about this, what this gives you, what those guys give you is depth, and they give you some cheap depth. And hopefully what that allows them to do is to say, okay, we don't have to worry so much about finding like guys to fill in at a bunch of different positions. We don't need to – they could probably let uh, Wong go. I think they bring back Hunter Renfro just because I think that he's not that expensive. He's probably going to be under $10 million for next year, and he does add something valuable to the lineup that they – like. You need some power. Right. Yeah. You, you need that <laughs> you guy. Need, you need a good offensive player, and he he's one. And, and that's <laughs> and it's also just a bridge to, you know, your future where you could say, okay, then now we don't need to say, okay, Joey Weimer, you're coming up and we need you to be like a major league player next year. You could say, okay, Joey, when Hunter Renfro ends up on the aisle, because he does end up on the aisle fairly frequently, I think three trips this year so far, uh, then you could say, okay, Joey, we're going to break you in now. Somebody asked me this on Twitter this week and was saying, well, how do you do this? Like, what is the the thing? And I said, well, it's a little bit easier with pitchers because you can break them in in low leverage bullpen roles and just sort of ease them in to the big leagues. Hitters, it's a little bit tougher because if you're going to bring them up and you don't want them to sit on the bench and never get played appearances because that isn't any good for their development. They, they're better off just hitting in the minors at that point. But also you don't want to like say, hey, you need to be in the lineup and producing for us down the stretch of a playoff race because we need you. Um, that's like kind of a tough situation to put any sort of rookie in. Like it's it's not ideal. So what this does is it gives them some flexibility to be able to to do that and hopefully do what Paul said, which is to add a big impact bat for the middle of this lineup. We've talked about Josh Bell before. I continue to think that might be a play. And yep. hey, his bad run with San Diego right now might just move him down into the Brewers. Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> hey, we can get a bargain here oh, look, category. Oh, look, he's chest. now a bounce back candidate. Great. Right at the wheelhouse there. Exactly. So... I think that that is something because we we have talked about this already on this pod. Uh, the free agent market this winter for like big impact uh, centerpiece bats, it's not really there. Like they, they don't really exist on this market. So I think that what this does is it gives them some flexibility to be able to do some other things. And that's important. But no, you don't. You don't tear down. You don't throw everything to the to the kids and say, "Hey, you're in charge of this now." 
Um, you want to like talk about losing a clubhouse? That's a real yeah, good no way kidding. to lose a clubhouse. Um, one aspect of this, though, too, uh, that's worth noting is you know all this young talent, like you said, Ryan, is going to be cheap for the foreseeable future too. So maybe that mm -hmm. gives you the leeway then to possibly sign one of Corbett Burns and Brendan Woodruff and extend that window too, right? Like that goes into the math as well. So it would all be nice. is not lost, Nevin. Yeah, it, it would be nice. I'm still not optimistic, but you know, <laughs> um, those are the areas where you kind of, yeah, can, can push the beans into another pile, so to speak. All right, next question comes from Brian Polakowski. Uh, it's a Craig Council managing question, so uh, here we go. Friday night, Rowdy ties, ties it in the bottom of the ninth. Then the Brewers get runners on first and second. Nobody out. Why won't Council play small ball for one run with Caratini, Taylor, or Wong pinch hitting to get to Yelich? Um, I think this is mm. one of those fun thought exercises, Paul, where like in hindsight, yeah, seems obvious, but I'd, also I'd not like a... I would like to know if Brian wrote this before or after watching Victor Caratini try and bunt. Um, <laughs> right. It's not a strong suit of this team is what I was going to say. Because we right. saw Victor Caratini try and bunt. And uh, I, I think it's fair to say that he's a 20 bunter. That um, was one of the worst attempts at bunting I think I've ever seen. And that's one reason you don't do it. You need to actually... Bunting is hard. Everybody thinks it's easy. Like uh, I feel like the default of everybody that watches baseball is I could get a bunt down. Like you put me up there with a bat, just hold it out, and I can touch it to the ball. Like no, you no, can't. You cannot. You absolutely <laughs> cannot. Um, it's very, very difficult to do it and get it fair, and get it fair in a way that also doesn't lead to the, the lead runner being held up. Like that also is a possibility when you bunt. Um, that happens fairly regularly, so it's hard. Um, it's not always a bad idea. I actually think if memory serves, Colton Wong's a pretty good bunter. And if he were up, that would be fine. I have no idea if Tyrone Taylor's a good bunter at all. No clue. Um, but small ball is no sure thing unless you've got the people up with the skills to execute it properly. And if you don't, it often leads to worse outcomes than just swinging away, even for this stupid team that strikes out 90 billion percent of the time. So um, that's why they don't do it more. And I think maybe you would, you would see it if the, peop the proper folks were up there to do it. Um, but... Uh, this is. I don't think this team is really put together for it that much. I don't. It doesn't strike me as a team with a lot of great bunters on it. And uh, one of the better ones is actually Yelich. He is actually a pretty good bunter in the few times he's been called on to do it. But you know, he's the guy you're asking to come up hitting. So that's why it's. Uh, it just isn't the greatest idea a lot of the time. Yeah, and I was going to point out Yelich is a good bunter, and so is Wong. Those are guys who can go and butt for hits. And that is always kind of a preferable situation to like try to do that. And I don't think Craig Council uh, really tells his guys like don't go out and bunt yourself. Yeah, I think he's I he's willing to let guys. If a guy says, "Hey, in this situation, I'm feeling best about my chance to get a bunt down and advance the runners, even if it might not be ideal for what like run expectancy says," I think he's actually kind of okay with that. And I think guys are given generally the green light to do it. But I think he also doesn't want to call for it and say, hey, I want you to bunt here and put that on a guy and say, OK, well, now I'm expecting you to do this. So you better get it down and it better be good. And like all of that, I think that he just prefers to leave it in the hands of the players and give them the control over it. And, uh, oh, the Pirates are making really nice defensive plays now. So we're oh, reached that portion of the game. The, they just scorched one up the middle. Uh, whoever the eight hitter is scorched one up the middle and. uh 
Cruz made a play that he was then laughing about. It was Narvaez. It was, was it, it was Narvaez. And then, yeah. yeah, and then Mitchell just hit Mitchell one just deep did. to the track. Yep. Oh, man. This is just enough. One of, of those days. Yeah. So one of those months. <laughs> we know Craig doesn't like giving up outs, and that is generally the right thing. He's, he's generally in the right about that. Um, and I think when he is willing to do it, I think he puts it more in the hands of players. And I think that's also the right way to do yeah, it. Yeah, I think in this run environment, especially with the Brewers pitching when it's on, it's more defensible. Like if you can create one run and uh, especially in the extra innings scenario with the guy in second and you have, you know, Brewer pitchers capable of striking out most of who they face, that it's defensible once in a while. It's just that you still have to have the right people to execute it. And they just don't that often. Well, and especially that situation that he brings up because you had runners on first and second with no outs. That is the one situation where bunting actually like improves not only your chance to score one run, but it also improves but your multiple. chance to score yeah. multiple. Yeah. The problem is is that it's like a, a fairly rare situation, and you have to have the right guy up to be able to like you have, still have to get yep. it down. You can't take for granted that the guy is going to get that bunt down. Right, and we have seen you know, in the long tenure of Craig Council, he's willing to play for that one run or the winning run before. So it's not like he's just steadfastly against it. I think you guys are right. Like, he just doesn't have the pieces on the roster to be able to do it. Uh, you know, maybe in a month when you have Astoria Ruiz or, or somebody else who can get a bunt down or, you know, play with speed, that's a thing. But it, it the roster is just kind of not set up well for it right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, next question this week comes from Adam Post asking, I could probably look this up, but how long had it been <laughs> since Yelich homered on consecutive days? Oh, God. Does this mean anything for what we should expect out of his power going forward? I did look this up, Adam, and the last time he did it was actually this year. He did it on April 29th and 30th this year. Lo and hold, behold. <laughs> I like, how you framed it. I like how you framed it as actually this year, as if that's yes. a, as if that's very positive that that he did it, you know, once He's this done it year. twice this year. Look at yeah. that. Four out of his eleven home runs that come against the Cubs. Guys, that was the first time we did the Christian Yelich is back. He's back. Dance. Yeah. Yeah. He's back. Yeah. Is he back? Yeah. No, he can just really hit the crap out of the Cubs. Yep. Uh before that, you have to go back to September first to second of twenty nineteen to find uh, back-to-back days. Surprisingly, back-to-back, even in uh, God Yelich mode, wasn't all that common. We had a lot of like two out of threes and all that stuff, but uh, Paul, I, I'm going to take your skepticism as a sign that you don't think this is going to round. <laughs> Not until I see it for any length of time. Um, we've, we've seen him get hot for a little bit, and uh, I, I'm not going to... I'm not buying in. I'm not falling for it. Um, it... it It'd be nice if he turned it on for the last month and turned them into a real playoff team with an actual star, but I'm I'm just not buying it. I want to see him pull like four homers in a row in like a week. Then I'll buy it. Until then, absolutely not. I mean, I did start to entertain the idea and go, well, do you, when do you move him out of the leadoff role? And then I'm like slapping myself and saying, no, no, just no, don't, no. don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> just <laughs> let, let, let this go because he has been so good in that leadoff role in terms of getting on base that you can't really ask for more than that. And with having the DH in the National League now, the, the, the difference between the number of guys that a, a leadoff hitter is going to have on and a guy hitting second or third is, you know, going to have on. It's not huge. It's not like as massive as it is when you, you know, have the pitcher batting ninth. So 
just yeah you just let it ride but no i i refuse to buy in until i see a longer sample of it like paul correct is launch angle now up to a robust 4.1 percent or 4.1 degrees sorry which uh yeah uh, up from 3.8 from two weeks ago so man remember when we were like at seven we were like like, if you could go a little bit more Uh, he'd be great and yeah no i very encouraging weekend uh he was a stupid shift play away from hitting it like nine straight at bats or something silly like that against the cubs but again it was the cubs so i don't know tempered expectations he had uh, a couple of good at bats monday night against the pirates too but um i remain committed to the idea that once the shift is banned Y'all shall hit 300 again. Now all will be right in the world. But until then, <laughs> he, he's still kind of limited there. Uh, very nice to see him turn things around. And it, it is like very noticeable too when he is hitting home runs, how different this lineup looks, right? Like uh, the, the team over the weekend was a lot more fun. They were scoring runs and <laughs> yes, yes, they there were. was more optimism. So uh, I guess fingers crossed for another good Christian Yelich September. But yeah, uh, kind of skeptical for now. I guess speaking of September's PJ Wessels, our next Patreon question this week asking, here comes Craig Timber. Should the Padres or Brewers be more concerned? Um, Of course, you know, Padres not exactly inspiring a lot of confidence in their ability to hang on to that last playoff spot in the NL right now, Uh, but still quite a few games ahead of the Brewers. So still ground to make up. Uh, Paul, I guess, should the Padres fear Craig Timber or should they just worry about, you know, not pitching Josh Hader in close games. They should just worry about that. And um, the the Brewers are going to have to do that again, but the Padres don't. I mean, uh, I think it's a kind of a different Brewer team than normal. Uh, I, it's been difficult to leverage their pitching already um, into like good platoon matchups to consistently get the job done in run prevention. And usually that's what they do. They just like lean on guys a little bit more Um I don't know. I think that's going to work. I'm not optimistic on Craig Timber this year. But aside from that, um, San Diego, I think, just needs to be a little smarter about how they they deploy people. And they just have more talent. And it's just a matter of, uh, I think, waiting it out and not realizing haters bad and going to different pitchers. And they'll be fine. Like, even if they're not going to be a dominant juggernaut that they wish they would be based on all the money they spend, um, they'll be fine. And they're going to be hard to catch. Um, they're, I think, working from a higher baseline. Uh, if Josh Bell heats up and if all of their other awesome players heat up, then they'll be difficult. And um, it's going to be tricky. This is not going to be an easy Craig Temper. They have a hard, hard road ahead of them. And they're not off to a great start. It's not September yet, but you should beat the Pirates and they're not doing it. So um, uh, this, is, uh, this, is, this is rough. San Diego can just fix their problem by not playing Josh. Put him on the... Put him on the IR, give him some time, give him some mental time, and really you'll get quite a bit better instantaneously without having to do anything. So that's a good place to be. Yeah, I mean, the, looking at the Padres' bullpen, the ERAs are generally pretty good, but that also has to do yeah. somewhat with the park and just you know how that, that sets up. But it's not like a, an inspiring group of people, and you certainly don't see uh, – I mean – they have a reliever who has 37 innings this year and a 287 ERA who's striking out five per nine. It's not yeah. great. Like, However, that's, that's Tim Hill. It, so, if you yeah. just replace, I mean, basically, since Hader has been on their team, plus a little for the Brewers, 
he's been like the worst pitcher in baseball. Mm-hmm. And you just if you just put an average pitcher there, that's fine. You get quite a bit better. And if they just knock it one rung up on the bullpen chain, they'll get quite a bit better than that even. So they, they, they have easy roads to improvement and the Brewers don't. Well, so I've said over and over and over again that my criticism of the Padres is that they have an impeccable, like to dream of, you know, top 10 man on their roster, like the, the, the 10 best players on their roster, really, really good. You know, can compete with anybody. After that, uh, it quickly gets to, if not dumpster fire territory, uh, it gets really sketchy really fast. They generally run out bad bottoms of lineups on a nightly basis. Um, they don't have much depth for like the we we're just talking about, like the bullpen is fine, but it, you know, there, there's not a ton going on there. Uh, the the Padres just don't have much roster depth, and that's because AJ Preller trades it all away to get big shiny objects, and those big shiny objects have by and large been pretty good this year. You know, Darvish is having a good season, Musgrove is having a really good season, but then you look at like Sean Manea and and Blake Snell, and they have ERAs well over four, and they emptied out their farm system to get guys like that, and it's. You know, you just kind of go, okay, well, that's fine. But, you know, it they have problems in terms of depth. And I think that is biting them in the ass quite a bit uh, beyond the hater thing. I mean, if you look at like what happened with Hater on Sunday, he wasn't even pitching. They were already down when he came in. He was in a mop up right. role and he got, you know, his butt handed to him there. So it is it is an issue. Their roster depth is an issue and I think does provide some some room for the Brewers and I believe the Padres still have a ton of games left against the Dodgers I was going to mention that if there's something that works in the Craig Timber favor it's uh, six games for the Padres left against the Dodgers so uh, that's that's not that much though no but it's it's still significant when they're hanging on to just a couple game lead Um, granted the Dodgers won't have much to play for coming up pretty soon but um, yeah it Mm -hmm. It's it's still noteworthy, I, sh- I should say. Um, all right. I guess speaking of Josh Hader, because we kind of talked about this just now. Oh, they and- do have, really, really quick. They have nine yeah. against the Dodgers left. Nine. nine. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's, that's, that's even better. worse. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought it was more than six, but I thought I maybe thought I missed six. a series I was like, six there. is nothing. Six or that seven. sucks. Yeah. Nine is much better. <laughs> nine is much better. It's it's most of their September. <laughs> it's against the Dodgers. So, uh, yeah. There is that working in the Brewers' favor as well, um, and of course, I let's talk about Josh Hader for a bit because uh, you know obviously plenty of attention still paid to Josh Hader and how he's been struggling in San Diego. He had that other blow up outing over the weekend after cl- already losing the closers role, as you guys mentioned. Just kind of really got rocked against was it Kansas City or something like like it, it's a team that Josh Hader should not struggle against. Uh, and, you know, I feel like we've kind of litigated the trade as much as we can. And I think pretty much everyone agrees now, even those who kind of hated the trade at the time can hopefully agree now that, uh, you know, it, it at this point, it's better off that the Brewers may, may not have kept him, um, even though, you know, we're all trying to figure out what's going on with him. I know there was uh, some stuff circulating online Monday that MLB Network might have uh put it out there that his uh newborn child is quote unquote not out of the woods yet which uh you know as a new father would play many uh uh, uh mind tricks on you i'm sure so it's possible he's still struggling with that but um 
aside from that, you know, there's all the mechanical things that we've talked about, and we got multiple questions on Josh Hader this week. So let's just dive in with um, MC Cham, who is asking in late May, you guys fielded a question that was semi-plausible at the time. If Josh Hader could win the Cy Young if he didn't allow a run the rest of the season, <laughs> is I there any that. sports precedent for such an extreme drop-off so quickly? Um, and, you know, I know we've talked about relievers historically being very volatile, but, like, this, we're verging on, I think, not even just Brewers and Padres fans noticing this. You know, we're, we're verging on a lot of the national writers looking at just how odd uh, the first half, second half splits, if even that, like pre-July, post-July splits have been. So I mm-hmm. guess, Paul, uh, your thoughts on that. And, and can you remember something quite like this? So uh, I'm I'm going first here, and I think Ryan might disagree with me on this a little bit. So we'll see. Could be wrong. But I actually think haters kind of unprecedented. It, it's not unprecedented for people to suddenly fall off a cliff, but... Usually it happens because either injuries have have occurred and we haven't seen them officially acknowledged yet or or the yips like Steve Blassie disease, like Chuck Knobloch problems. And I kind of don't think that's this Um, pitchers do become less efficient uh, for the reasons that we think haters become less efficient. And our, our working theory is what's reflected in prospectus articles and fan graphs articles that. His release point has drifted. It's a very difficult problem to fix when that happens. And that he is just a, an unusual pitcher for not really having a middle ground in terms of results of his pitching. He is either completely dominant and nobody can touch his pitches, even if they're dead center right in the middle, or he gives up tons of home runs. And uh, this just seems to be a case where he lost the good and it's not a, a slight decline. It just is all all bad. Uh, it's getting rocked for its loss of control it's uh power on contact and it's not something that i can really find a good comp to out there um, because i don't think that the other disasters that tend to happen are really similar to what josh Hader has gone through yeah i would agree here and that this is such an extreme like really outlier where a guy goes from being one of the most dominant relief pitchers we have ever seen and for a long time like he's been doing this now for like five years and within a month and a half two months time he is unplayable and he is just a home run machine and just you know an extra base like hard hit machine that being said if this is going to happen it's going (laughs) to happen to a reliever and we can, I mean, you can go through, like, John Axford certainly stands out in this. He wasn't as good, and it wasn't as long as what Josh Hader did, but he was a very, very good relief pitcher for a couple of seasons. And then in early 2012, it just disappeared. Like, super fast was just gone. And uh, Derek Turnbow was even less so, because he, he always had command issues, and it was always a, a bit more of a high wire act, but he was also really dominant. And then became unplayable you know, relatively quickly. But the extremes on this one just it really put all of that to shame. And I, I'm sure there's other ex- – well, the problem is there's, there aren't other examples because very few pitchers have ever been as good at, like, missing bats and uh, avoiding hits and avoiding contact just in general as Josh Hader has ever been. Like, he is almost a unicorn in that – and so for that to just disappear completely, 
with that said, we have talked for a long time on here about the fact that like Josh Hader is a bit of a weird one in that even when he was really, really good, he was kind of walking a tightrope. And when he would miss, guys could just hit the ball 400 feet on him and like it like it was nothing. And so he always had that. That was a little bit of a weirdness in his profile. And so this isn't like completely shocking from that standpoint you look at it like okay he was kind of a guy who was walking a very fine edge even though he was really really good there would still be moments when it wouldn't work and you would see him get hit really hard and now we're just seeing that on a consistent basis so yeah it's it's confounding um but i think at this point we have to say like the brewers knew what they were doing here in in, yeah. in getting rid of him when they did and they think about what the trade value of him is right now compared to what it was a month ago if you were upset at what they got for him a month ago <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get a bag of balls for him right now no you wouldn't it's shot like, there's he has the, negative value because of that salary because he know. is going to make if if you were to pick him up right now if the, if you could trade for him in this moment you would have to then assume like the Padres are for next year uh that he's you're going to be paying him like 15 million in arbitration yep I have only one comp that I could find that was close and it does involve an injury that maybe it has had a large effect but it's not for sure and that's Yelich Mm. (laughs) and Yelich didn't have the extended run like Yelich was was an MVP for two seasons two seasons is pretty good and he yeah. also like Yelich is very and has never been unplayable. He's just been like mediocre. Yeah, but it's a pretty significant decline. <laughs> well, no, it's a significant decline. But we're just talking about a guy from going from being excellent to unplayable, like one of the best ever to one of the worst in the, the league in ever. that moment. Like Yelich yeah. has never Yelich definitely got to that that height. Like he was an MVP and deservedly so, and had a couple seasons doing that. But he's never become like anything like unplayable. He's just been, you know, a, a guy. Yeah, true enough. Uh, speaking of the trade value, our next question comes from Dave Penshorn, who's asking, perhaps tongue in cheek, <laughs> did we get too much from the Padres for Hader? Will he be the next Francisco Cordero and come back and hit up the pitching lab after the Padres decline <laughs> arbitration? That's my new next favorite theory is that uh, mm-hmm. uh, Stearns will sign him to a $5 million pillow contract after he gets non-tendered and he's awesome again. But uh, I guess, Paul, uh, your reaction to that? They didn't get too much like, back because you yeah. are, you're you dealing with unknowns at the time of trade. And not with not, the Brewers, maybe not. I mean, they, they clearly thought that they knew something, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're right. Um, but... They didn't get too much back. That's that's silly. They got back what they could get back in in a what constitutes a free market in baseball, um, and that's fine. But he, Ryan made the call a couple week ago, two weeks ago, that he's non tender candidates, and maybe he he is a very Brewer type of signing potentially <laughs> as as somebody as a bounce back candidate who used to be dominant <laughs> who can go into the pitching lab. Well, I gotta think he would not choose to come know, to the Brewers for that. Yeah, that. no. I, yeah. yeah. That's... He's he's done as a brewer. Uh, the only no, there's I don't think any scenario where he would ever pitch for the team again. Certainly not this management group. Yeah. No. 
Uh, and then one last uh, kind of tongue-in-cheek question from Bruce crew fan in california was hater just the player to be named later in the scott line ring trade <laughs> which whew, brought back memories for Deep us and we had to nice work. we had to we had to go back and see who was in the scott line ring trade because as many arguments as i got into about that on the brewerfan.net forums back in the day uh couldn't remember which prospect it was it was will inman uh, who is the big controversial <laughs> prospect who is Will included Inman. in that, but it was uh, Joe Thatcher who ended up being the only worthwhile piece. <laughs> I was going to say, that don't trade. sleep on Joe Thatcher right now. Chris Richard <laughs> is yelling at his radio going, Joe Thatcher is in that trade. Joe Thatcher is in that trade. So uh, those of you who are veterans of the old Journal Sentinel message board know exactly what is being discussed here. That's like probably five of you, but uh, it's bringing back some, I don't know, uh, amusing memories for you probably because chris and i went back and forth on that for board rant yeah probably 10 years chris and i went back and forth on that one oh yeah or were you prospect hugging joe thatcher back in the day let loogie prospects or no i was the opposite (laughs) i was the one saying that uh it was fine to trade him that it was it was perfectly acceptable so yeah Uh, I think maybe that's the genesis of like that is if you go back to find like my origin story as a prospect hugger, maybe it's that trade. <laughs> Actually, no, it's it's not. It's it's a different trade that I'm not going to relitigate here right now. Yeah, no, we're we're done relitigating trades, as I said. Um, definitely something we'll keep an eye on with Josh Hader in San Diego. Uh, hopefully. Uh, his his new board makes it out okay and, and things kind of turn around if, yeah. if that's what's going on with him you know we saw that with keston hero over the last couple of years mm-hmm. how you know personal things can really 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 mess with your head um no matter what your job is and especially when you're in a stage like that wasn't there something about his wife posting that they were out of the NICU? on instagram i'm not an insta guy so i don't know but i thought somebody had posted that like the the baby was out of the nicu at least yeah the 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 news on this is kind of kind of a mess after that unconfirmed mlb report yeah because we just don't have a lot of details Uh, they they have been out of the nicu from what i can tell but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're out of the woods out of the woods but maybe it does so we're just speculating at this point without corroboration from someplace Mm. else um, and so maybe, but maybe not. Yeah, this was something that shouldn't have been pushed back into the public eye, and it has. Yeah. So now it's like, like getting discussed, and makes me feel kind of queasy. Sure. Yeah. But also, it, you know, like it's it's been a situation since the baby was born, and it yeah. would be understandable if it was weighing on him. It would. So. It definitely would. All right. Uh, moving on, our next Patreon question, another one from Jay Google asking, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Trevor Rosenthal era as a brewer? Who boy. Uh, yeah, if the hater trade didn't uh, rub enough people the wrong way about the trade deadline, it was the, the Trevor Rosenthal trade where, uh, you know, they traded a top 20 prospect, Ryan, for Trevor Rosenthal, who is probably <laughs> not going to pitch for the Brewers this year after he got hurt. Different injury during a rehab assignment. Um, so uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I said on Twitter, like this trade from the start was kind of meh, whatever, because Tristan Peters to me was meh, whatever. Not going to miss him and kind of just worth a flyer. But Ryan, I guess your take on the latest uh, setback for Trevor, Trevor Rosenthal. Yeah, that's exactly what this was. I mean, Tristan Peters is a guy who 
I, if everything kind of works for him, maybe he's a fourth, fifth outfielder. And that's fine. Uh, I don't think that the Brewers need to be precious with guys like that because, first off, they have a ton of outfielders at the moment. Like, that isn't a, an immediate problem, really, in any way, shape, or form for them. He's and, kind of a random minor league guy, right? Yeah, like, he was a seventh round draft pick. In the Brewers, top 20 in the Brewers system is mm-hmm. maybe not ranked in somebody else's. Yeah, I don't think he would be currently a top 20 Brewers prospect. I haven't done the, the work on that, but and James and I are only going 10 deep on our top our top uh, Brewers prospect lists. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of doubt he would be at this point just because the upside, the upside is pretty limited there. And that doesn't mean he can't be like a big league player, but it, yeah, it, it probably means that he's not going to have much of an impact. So yeah, taking a shot on a guy like Rosenthal would have been better if they could have just signed him right out of that uh, that workout that they were at. But apparently the yeah. Giants either offered more or had maybe Rosenthal liked the outlook better to get in and like pitch meaningful innings with the Giants. I don't know why he decided to do that, but because the Brewers didn't get him on the open market, this was what they needed to do to get him. And given the Brewers track record on looking at pitchers stuff and saying okay we can do something with this i don't think anybody should be like chortling about like oh what could they have possibly seen in him well they probably saw quite a bit in terms of what he could do it just was a question of whether or not he could stay healthy and he couldn't and okay so you the the dice came up uh you know seven on that but you can't get too upset about it because they just didn't give up that much to to take the chance so like i mean his rehab outings were impressive by all accounts right striking mm-hmm. out guys and, and throwing 95 yes. 96 he looked like the old trevor rosenthal again so mm-hmm. i mean it's yep. just a little, maybe a little too cute for my taste you can you can go get a guy who has pitched in the last few years for mediocre prospects sometimes too and uh, they they had a lot of cuteness on this deadline and maybe could have gone a little more mainstream on some of their acquisitions like uh, the whole Lemay thing and not and having him end up on the team plus Matt Bush reclamation project. Yeah, I know he's been better lately, but whatever. And then wrote like that's just a bunch of a bunch of weirdness. It seems like a bunch of nerds decided to outsmart everybody. It's actually like how I draft in fantasy football, which is I, <laughs> I get I get an idea about guys that are not on mainstream radars that are likely to outperform, and then instead of letting them come to me in the spot of the draft where there would be a value I reach because I want them so that I can talk shit about it later and then it blows up in my face because I didn't <laughs> because I didn't draft Jonathan Taylor like I should have. So um that feels that's I wanted what, to draft AJ Dillon in the first round. Correct. You know? That's yeah. what this feels like to me. And uh I, I just he might not be a worthwhile prospect. That's fine, but he's still a prospect that you now can't use to buy other things. Well I think the biggest cost here probably was the fact that they did put him on the 40-man roster when they brought him in and that made one less spot for uh Denilson Lamette which mm-hmm. that looks not so great considering he's pitching yeah. reasonably well in Colorado yep. though that's early so you can't like I wouldn't just immediately declare that a disaster um, and also, like, they could have just dropped uh, uh, Jake McGee instead and yeah. to make the room for uh, for Lamette, and they didn't do that until a day later. That's probably the bigger <laughs> yeah. sin here than yeah. taking just, like, a flyer on, on Trevor Rosenthal. But, 
Fair. It's, yeah, I mean, it just, it compounded the timing of it. This is a move that in a, another context, this, this move gets criticized because of other things that happened or didn't happen. In, in and of itself, it's not even really particularly noteworthy. It's, it's like a footnote. It's okay, so that didn't, they took a shot, it didn't work, whatever. But given what else was going on, all the other things that were happening, they kind of needed a win. And they got an L on this. So yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, moving on, because we still got a few questions to get to. And we're running long. Uh, Bill Robb's <laughs> question here says, uh, comment, please, on fans' reasons for not attending games this year. Uh, so I believe this is a reference to our good friend JR's article where he crowdsourced all these answers on yep. why... Uh, fans are not going to as many Brewer games this year. Of course, uh, attendance is down uh, a noticeable amount, although JR did notice in his article. A big chunk of that is like these group pack tickets uh, from businesses and stuff not selling uh, like they have in the past. And, and that could explain away a lot of stuff. But uh, also just general, you know, the excitement about the team is not quite there. So uh, he got like hundreds of responses here and <laughs> kind of like compiled them all in, in, in the five top five reasons he found were uh, just kind of generalizing the uninspiring team play on the field, the cost of concessions, which we have talked and ranted about before on this podcast, uh, the lack of TV options, making it harder to follow or gain an interest in the team, which is interesting. Uh, Valley sports getting more and more exclusive and harder to find for uh, normal people. Uh, so that's definitely noteworthy as well. But also, you know, other live sports options like the Bucks, more appealing, more entertaining. And the ballpark atmosphere itself has been flat, uh, which I mentioned as we go into the ninth inning of a close game. And there's like 30,000 green seats staring at the Brewers as they try to rally here. <laughs> um, so I lots of good like uh, feedback that JR was able to compile here. I guess, Paul, your reaction to uh, JR's work here and kind of the reasons, does that kind of track with you on what you're thinking about why attendance may be down? Yeah, I think that that's the big ones. I do think there are some, uh, there's a host of just little reasons too that get into things and just the general tenor of baseball this year with the dead ball, with so many strikeouts and so little action, uh, it all contributes to not having it be as fun at the ballpark. Um, so yes, also for those who just know JR, like on the podcast as the jovial host who actually makes us make sense, um, he did. Uh, he is a big boy journalist, and he did big boy journalism here. This is great. This is a uh, fantastic piece. Kurt helped too, I believe. Um, and uh, it yep. is a it is like a just a professional journalism course on asking questions, writing quotes, and letting people hang themselves and. Uh, like the Brewers citing the X golf as something that might bring fans back is both damning and hilarious and played completely straight in the piece. So, um, but there are a lot of other things too, aside from all the costs and whatnot in um, it, it just starts to hit you a little harder um, when you're taking multiple people to the game. Um, but one thing my brother likes to comment on is they have self-serve beer pours at the game. The self-serve beer pours ask you for a tip. Um, they're, they're, they're robots. They don't. It, it, it's there's all these Classic little Danny tweets. Yes, yeah. It is it is a great Danny's fantastic work, Daniel. Um, 
there are in addition to the big ones there's a lot of other little things i feel like they've lost a lot they used to be really good at little things they used to be um i i feel like do a really good job for kids on sundays um really 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 make the fan experience better um than a lot of other parks and i i feel like that's not as good anymore um aside from the the cost as well i did want to point out one one thing that people mentioned a lot the concessions are bad um they're expensive and burgers and hot dogs are kind of trash at miller park and you can be expensive and good or you can be cheap and not great but you can't be expensive and bad and they really are right now so that that's I also know JR got a lot of woke, and that's stupid. So everybody who everybody who said woke to to JR, you're you're dumb. Stop doing that. Oh God, there was the, that I missed. What I noticed mostly was people complaining about the team not spending enough money on the field, yeah. and then charging too much to watch the product. Yeah. So that that's was kind of the bit, right. Yeah. yeah. So basically, the basic economics of how sports work. Right. Well, it was basically like spend more and charge less and then like we'll want to go, which I think is probably more for the super dedicated fan who's responding to him on Twitter as opposed to the <laughs> general person in the world. But I think I do think that the the expense I've heard from people uh, just chatting in general who are not like members of Brewers Twitter that they're complaining about the prices at the park. Yeah. And so I think that that's legitimate. I also think that, yeah, there's just some, there's hangover effects from COVID. There's still, I mean, I know people who are personally, who are not going right now because they're concerned health-wise about how prominent this current variant of COVID is. And they have health conditions that would make it very, you know, dangerous for them to get it. So they're staying away. And I'm sure there's some of that playing into this as well. There's There's a bunch of other things, but... I, the, the team just has a a bad, ugly narrative around it right now. And just in general, I think that people are unhappy with the team, with how things are going and have been for a little while. And I think that you mostly chalk that up to, well, it's just, you know, they've been good for a while, but haven't, you know, won in the playoffs since 2018. So people are just kind of sick of it. And that's unfortunate, but it's also just the reality of sports. So I guess fine whatever i just it personally i find it a little tiresome but whatever there was some there was a fair amount of roof slander as well and a fair <laughs> a fair amount of there's more hot there's more hot days than there used to be and it's not pleasant under the roof when it's hot and they close the roof too much when it's hot which they do so how many of those were andy's burners uh, 25 or 30 <laughs> at least yeah well the thing about the roof is they are under they're under some some restrictions from what they can do with the roof by MLB. MLB does not let them toy with the roof because they worry that they're going to try to gain some advantage using it, which the I'm sure they complain enough. Yeah. Which I'm sure they would. <laughs> and like, that's yeah. fine, but it's still, I think it has led to some issues with, you know, how they are allowed to use their roof and, I think that when there is rain in the forecast, they are kind of pushed towards making sure that it's closed and keeping it closed, even when because we were I was sitting at a game, I don't know, uh, a month ago now, and they all of a sudden started opening the roof, even though they had started the game with it closed because the cell that was supposed to hit didn't and it was going to end up missing. And I remember thinking, wow, I 
can count on one hand the number of times I can remember seeing this happen, where they started with it closed and then opened it and said, okay, yeah, the, the danger has passed. So I don't think all of this is their choice in terms of how they manage the roof. I think they're, they are under some pressure from MLB to do certain things with it. But yeah, it is... I, I've joked about it for years. The Miller Park Schwitz experience is, you know, not for the faint of heart. So no, it is not. No, and I think another thing too about this is a lot of us are just enjoying things less post pandemic, right? I I know Jr. kind of talked about this on Twitter, and, and I chimed in too. But it's like it. Aside from not being excited about the product, I think a lot of us are just excited about fewer things these days. And some of that might be, you know, mental health related or whatever. But, you know, we're, we're not I'm not going to go out of my way from Madison to drive an hour with crazy high gas prices, pay $40 for parking on top of yep. all of that stuff. And I think that's important to remember, too. The brewers do kind of uh count on those outstate visitors mm-hmm. who kind of make it a day trip, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of cost prohibitive this summer as well. So yep. I think that's something that to the Brewers in the article, the Brewers themselves made a big issue of corporate outings being way down as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're very focused on them in the context of that. And that is true. Um, corporations generally consultant salespeople are not having as much success on luring corporate clients and people they want pay money to ballparks they're just not um outside events have not returned companies are not as willing to pay for that uh that's one of the consequences of remote work becoming more common is that business trips are becoming less common and business entertaining less common so there is definitely a factor for that as well Mm -hmm. and it's anecdotal but i know for a fact a work outing for my wife's uh group at work that she's been involved in for the last 10 plus years they're not doing it this year they did. It, they even did it last year, and they're not doing it this year. So, yeah. There you go. Uh, so, plenty of reasons there. Um, go look up JR's article if you yep. haven't already. You should read it. Because, it's great. It's fantastic. Yep. yep. Uh, great work, JR. All right. A few more questions to get to. Tyler Gibson asking, uh, does Pujols get to 700? And uh, note, as we record this on Monday night, he hit 694 on sure a great, great American ballpark, inside out, blooper, oppo field, trash home run. But I guess it counts. Do we have the uh, dog bot on that guy? I haven't seen it. I, don't, I it would up. have to look it up. Uh, but uh, Ryan, a, bit of, a little bit more of a month to go here. Uh, does he get there? assuming that Craig Council keeps throwing left-handers at him in September? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> as long as people keep lobbing baseballs into him the way that uh, was that Ross Detweiler did tonight, like, yes, um, uh, there's definitely some of that going on here, too. Uh, by the way, did you see that Detweiler was, was like the 450th unique pitcher that he had hit a home run off of, which yep. uh, broke the record. record of Barry Bonds, which makes perfect sense. Like that, yeah. Of course, that makes sense that he would be it's hitting really, off of more pitchers yeah. because he's seeing a lot more pitchers than Bonds right. would have. We got it. Albert off Ross. Did 98, it 98.1 miles per hour exit velo, 369 mm. feet. Would have been a home run, though, in 23 of 30 parks because of its oh. location. Okay. Uh, hit, hit, hit right down the line. So, so it wasn't a there great American small park special? It was not. Okay. Well, that's it, fair. 98 off the bat is not... It was not, not a boomer, not but it, no. but location was good on it. You um, need to look at the video of the swing. It was a trash swing too, but it kind of just popped out. 
Uh, so yeah, is it getting to seven hundred or not? Yeah, I mean, if it's something annoying related to the Cardinals and <laughs> evil, it's going to happen. Just plan on it. Just pencil that shit in, and yeah, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen against the Brewers too. I mean, you know? Ryan Ryan is correct. Obviously, he will get to seven hundred, and then. Cardinals fans will be able to talk about it forever. So, yes, it will definitely happen. Oh, it just, it's it's the pain that never ends. <laughs> uh, who, who are we taking, Brent Suter or Aaron Ashby giving up the number 700? Ooh. Um, good call. Good call. <laughs> Suter's um, been really good. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Uh, Brent Suter has been really, really good to the point that his ERA is now down into the mid three. So, he's back into that, that perfect Brent Suter range. The perfect guy to throw tonight because the strike zone is 10 feet wide, and that is the suitor special. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to go um, I'm gonna go with uh, um, uh, Peter Strzelecki, um, just mm. getting getting stuck out there against him. That's my bet. Okay. All right. Oh, wait, he's a rookie. Uh, Sorry, I'm dumb. He I, is I'm a backwards. rookie. Yeah. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. I, re- I recant that. Who's his equivalent for Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner. It's only, It'll be yes. Hobie. It'll be yeah, Hobie Milner. That's Hobie. perfect. Hobie. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, PJ Wessels, another one. What made Ryan feel better? Liverpool winning big or the Brewers winning two out of three against the Cubs and taking the overall series again? I will say that both felt very good. The Liverpool one felt particularly great. It was kind of weird because I was barely awake. They scored two goals within the first, I think, like three minutes of that game, and I had just put it up on my iPad before I'd even gotten out of bed. And I'm like, oh, man, this is... uh, this is starting off really well. We have, we have we have breaking news that I'm sorry I have to interrupt you to actually talk about because at this moment dun, dun, dun. Garrett Mitchell has hit his first career big league home run with Omar Ooh. on board to tie the score at five. And you got Ooh, me because I'm on a delay here, so I had oh uh, center cut. Yeah, I had go. not seen it. I, I turned my I head just in time it. to see the ball uh, get delivered. There we are. That's All awesome. right. The the pitch was um, an 87 mile an hour changeup that was as close to the center of the strike zone as I've ever seen a pitch <laughs> Straight BP basketball. <laughs> yes, that, that was not a good pitch. <laughs> I'm glad he destroyed it. So the lesson here is that I should talk about Liverpool more often on podcasts right. because uh, good oh things boy. happen. No. So <laughs> anyway, yes, nine, nine nil. And then a couple wins from the Cubs. It was a good sports weekend as opposed to the last several, which had been making me want to murder things. So yeah, it was, it was an improvement, a huge improvement. And I enjoyed both of them quite a bit. There you go. Making him ring the bell. There he goes. Okay. Uh, well, that's a happier development yeah. after an hour and a half of melancholy here. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, James. Before we go on, I do yeah. want to point out one thing because both Paul and I talked about Garrett Mitchell's lack of power. And ah, there we go. I, I want to loop back to <laughs> that did, because it is a real time tailgate jinx. There you go. Yeah. So we reverse jinx that. And I want to point out that the thing with Mitchell's power is weird because everybody says that the dude has legit legit raw power so what he shows in batting practice what he can do when he gets a hold of one is very legitimate the problem is is that he has the ucla swing or had the ucla swing i haven't compared to what he was coming out of college to where he is at now but the ucla swing much like the stanford swing is really focused on uh, hitting down on the ball and making contact and then especially with a guy like mitchell because he has such speed legging out a whole bunch of of hits that way uh, that play is 
great in college does not work nearly as well in pro ball, especially in you know the modern era of pro ball. Uh, defense is just too good and defensive positioning is just too good. But point of all that is, is that Garrett Mitchell does have potential raw power to unlock where he could really be an impact hitter if he could just access that power. And there have been various times, as Paul kind of mentioned, there have been various times when he has done it. So I I hadn't seen the home run. I had just seen the the game cast, um, you know, indication and I just saw it. And so I knew to watch the pitch and that was one of the worst pitches I've ever seen. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> I'm glad he hit Sorry, the home run inside the game. But that was that was and, real bad. And like I, I just tweeted, like I wish every Brewer that saw that pitch would crush it for a home run because they don't nearly often enough. No. But, Christian oh, Yelich would not. Yeah. No, that pitch was awful. <laughs> it was bad. Oh yeah, he, a couple more. Uh, so close to getting that under the tundra territory too. Just a little bit more on it. Just a little bit more. A little bit more. Uh, looks like his family is still there, too. Yep. So that's uh, very cool to see. All right. Last question this week comes from Justin saying, asking, is spicy COVID James the equivalent of Darth Brandon? Um, <laughs> not going to touch the second part of that, but uh, I believe, you know, okay. So the reference was last week. Uh, I was possibly... Uh, testing positive for COVID and surprise turned out I got it. Um, so the last week has not been fun for me, but apparently it led to some really hot s- scorching takes on the podcast last <laughs> week or something, or, uh, I guess maybe just me yelling at Ryan a lot. I don't know. Um, I w- it was the start of a fever dream over the next few days. So mm-hmm. I don't remember it all that well. Um, I told these guys before we started recording that, that episode, I had taken a test and I thought it was negative. Uh, but Paul, I told Ryan this, I didn't tell you this. I'd looked down afterwards and the faint line was starting to show up already. Um, <laughs> and by Monday morning, I definitely had it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so you don't need yeah. the line when you have the symptoms. <laughs> no, no. It was one of those two on Monday morning. You, you dropped the little drops in and like literally 30 seconds mm-hmm. later, mm-hmm. the positive line showed up and it's like, yeah. Yeah, why do you waste your time with this? No. Well, it's especially <laughs> once your cohabitating significant other has already tested positive for yes. it. You're like, you know what? Yes. I'm sick and I have somebody who has tested positive for it. There's pretty much no way this isn't actually COVID. And, yep. and yeah, it, it and we had it at the same time, which you might think is convenient and you get it out of the way. But no, it just means two people are miserable all the time with no help. And, uh, yep. That sucks, uh, but we're doing a lot better. Um, still testing positive as of this morning, but uh, fingers crossed. Ryan assures me I, I will be fine in a couple of days, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess spicy yep. COVID James was a thing last week. I don't I don't know if, if it's still a thing this week. Justin, you can let us know. All right. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, uh, patreon.com slash MKE tailgate, two bucks a month gets you question priority. Clearly came in handy for plenty of people this week. We got uh, damn near 20 questions and in this episode ran really long, but uh, still the best way to get your question answered both on this podcast and as Paul has mentioned on reporting yep, as yep. eligible. Uh, so go over and sign up there. You also get a shout out when you join the team uh, and join as a patron and Ryan looks like we got a few names to shout out this week. Yeah. So Sean Griffin and Scott Bauer, I'm not sure if you're new, new, or if you're coming, but the names didn't ring a bell to me. So I think you're new, new. Um, So welcome back. (laughs) 
or so welcome in, well, I should welcome, say. Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. Yes. Uh, but Alex Lamers is definitely a, a comeback. <laughs> he is he has been a, a supporter before. And so welcome back. And for the moment, anyway, now this will change because people drop and then come back and then drop and come back. But for the moment, you are at least the first number 100 uh, patron sponsor <laughs> in, in the fold here. So uh, yep. that may that probably will change as soon as the next month rolls over because uh, Patreon does its thing and, you know, some people's cards have expired and whatever. So it, it you end up people sometimes come rolling back in or sometimes they don't. But uh, yeah, you're at least the first number 100 sponsor. So uh, congratulations. We were joking before we started that uh, we're going to get out the uh, Al Gore's copy of Celebrate and put it on the turntable and just play it and then wave little American flags for it because that's uh, that's how we celebrate these things. So yeah, thank you, Alex. We appreciate Very it. Awesome. And thank you, everybody else. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And a reminder too, uh, even if you're not a patron, you can go and, and thank us or show your support in another way. Go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star review and, and comment there. Paul will read it here on the program. Uh, still sitting at a 4.7 out of 5 on Apple Podcasts here. So, Bob, so. there's opportunity here. Opportunity's knocking. So uh, just go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment there. Paul will uh, read whatever you put there uh, with a few lawyery caveats there. Yeah. Um, but uh, while you're there, please do hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever else you listen to us. Uh, hit the subscribe or follow just to make sure that you don't miss an episode. Uh, that'll do it for this week. Longer episode. Lots of good questions. We appreciate all of them greatly. Thanks for those. And uh, we will see how, I guess, Craig Timber shapes up as we head into Labor Day weekend here. Hope you all have a good week and a good holiday weekend. We'll see you here next time. Fair with fair.